Welcome to Sound Encounters, the show where I take you on a musical journey as we explore different genres, bands and artists, and new and classic releases. I'm Cesar Torres, and I'll be your guide today. Exciting episode later today, folks. We've got a guide to the legendary underground rapper MF Doom. And I don't, I, this is like the second time in like a month where I talk about what I'm going to talk about later in the show before getting my whole intro spiel out of the way. But let me be honest with you, I am just really excited to talk about MF Doom. I was going to, I, I had a plan to talk about him anyway, um, but of course, because of his passing, I accelerated the process of which you know getting together like or listening to these projects writing about them in a way that you know i highlight every important detail within that album and what makes this what makes that album special but i'm just so stoked to talk about possibly my favorite mc i am eager to celebrate his legacy and just share my opinions on this man's discography but i guess I've also been listening to a lot of hip hop recently, especially because of MF Doom and all of his different personas and side projects and whatnot. But more on the abstract side, I really love Billy Woods, and I feel like Billy Woods is now the best rapper in underground hip hop because just the way that he organizes stories, the way that he utilizes beats is just so refreshing, and I feel like he will carry on. You know doom's legacy not, not not in a like he's copying doom or he's imitating him but in a, in a way that it's like oh yes this is a new take on hip-hop this is an interesting take on hip-hop and it won't be as wacky as doom's you know super villain persona but it at least it brings something new to the table but i've also been listening to no name who is a chicago rapper a local rapper for me um, and I just can't believe that, you know, I, when I first heard No Name, I didn't like her music, but I just, I don't think I gave it or gave her the attention that she required when I first heard, uh, Room 25. I went back to listen to the Telephone mixtape, loved that mixtape, and then I finally listened to Room 25 again after, what, two years, three years since it's been out? And I was just like, man, I cannot believe I did not give this the attention it deserved because this is a wonderful album with great beats and wonderful storytelling from no name i just can't believe uh just you know young and stupid what can i say <laughs> but yeah just so much hip-hop it's just i feel like hip-hop is, is is really great um in the two extreme uh seasons for me here i go again talking about seasons and music but I, I, you know, winter and summer are the prime times for hip hop for me. Never in the spring and never in the fall. For some odd reason, I still haven't figured that out. But when I do, I'll get back to you on that. But it's just it's it's prime hip hop time for me. I've been listening to a lot of Gangstar's Moment of Truth. If you follow the Sound Encounters Instagram page and Twitter page at Sound Encounters, by the way, give me a follow. Um, you will see that as of recently, I've had that album appear on multiple uh, charts, weekly charts, because I've been listening to it a lot and really love the hell out of that album. Might be a contender for one of my favorite hip hop albums. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. But if you're listening to hip hop, 
right now and if you could recommend me some good hip-hop, especially in the Chicago scene, let me know. You can send a voice message to anchor.fm forward slash soundencounters or soundencounters.com. Let me know what hip-hop you're listening to today or as of recently. There'll be a link in the podcast description that'll take you to where you need to go to record and send that voice message to me. Or you could always at me on Twitter or DM me on Instagram. And now with that out of the way, I know I want to get to that MF Doom segment, but we got to talk about this past week in music first. first song i heard this week was the friday remix by rebecca black <laughs> almost couldn't say your name we all remember this song right this meme of a song god i remember when i when it first came out and all the overwhelmingly negative you know reactions toward it but it's back with a hyper pop sound to it as rebecca's vocals have this chipmunk sound to it and the beat is overblown and has a lot of bass to it that 100 Gecko influence is really on display here. Dorian Electra, Big Frida, and 303 are also on this track, and the little amount of time that Electra has on this track is really good. Overall, this is a good remix, and it's fun for all of you Rebecca Black and Hyperpop fans. And the only other single that I heard this week was Nothing At All by William Doyle. So just like the last single, this is a gorgeous and lush art pop track. Doyle's vocals soar above the keyboards and strings. And the way his, it crescendos at the end is, is just beautiful. Another blissful art pop track from Doyle. Really looking forward to this project, but if like two more singles come out, I, I don't think I'll review them because I usually like to not listen to that much of the album before it comes out. Kind of like ruins the album listening experience for me. But, you know, that's just me. Uh, moving on to the one EP I heard this week. EP2 by JPEG Mafia. This was a surprising one, and I, I wasn't sure how I would feel about this one since I wasn't a huge fan of last year's EP, but it's Peggy, I'm still going to listen to it, and I noticed right off the bat that Peggy is at his most melodic here, as there's kind of like a R&B direction for this one. He still raps, there's still that glitchy production that defines Peggy's music, but for the most part he is singing, and he sounds pretty great. What I love about this EP is how he either threatens people or mocks the industry while singing or rapping behind this subtle and lulling production. Celtic and This One's For Us has Peggy either warning people to not get in his business or telling us how white people feel threatened by him while ethereal synth pads or dreamy instrumentation plays in the background. That's what I've always loved about Peggy as an artist. You know, he's always talking shit, but as of recently, he's been using more cloud rap inspired beats and instrumentals. Uh, it's less of the abrasive weirdness we heard dominate an album like Veteran, but I like this more subtle instrumentation. Of course, we get some comedic lines from Peggy too. Fix Yourself has that Trump and Putin line that I pointed out a couple weeks ago, and the fact that he takes aim at his listeners too is just so great. What a troll. I think the real stands out for me though are Last Dance and Panic Room. I love the latter for Peggy's shots at the music industry. The line about it, it being in creative handcuffs just really hit the sweet spot for me. And his flow and aggressive lyrics on Last Dance were just so fire. The atmospheric instrumental on that one too, it just screamed classic Peggy. I couldn't help but love it. Now, is his style getting stale? Maybe, but he executes it so well that I just can't criticize it. Great EP from JPEG Mafia. Check it out when you get the chance. And I only heard one LP this week, that being Tyrone by Slow Tie. Guys, I really like this album. 
This is coming from someone who didn't really enjoy his first LP. I mean, I liked it, but I didn't love it as much as everyone else did. I just didn't, I couldn't really fully understand the hype around his first album. But Tyrone is an improvement for Slow Tie as he's brushed up on his lyrical abilities and his delivery. And oh God, the beats on this thing ranges from harsh and in your face to guitar focused and lush. And I guess this brings me to what I really love about this album. Slowtie divides it into two distinct parts. The first being that punky and aggressive sl- side of Slowtie, what I would call his public appearance, to the gentler and subtler private and personal part of him. Throughout the first half, Slowtie is very confrontational and in your face, and he's really feeling himself and has the take the world by the balls attitude. This is evident on the opener 45 Smoke as he talks about the hustle and how money just comes to him like a fly attracted to shit. There are many little one-liners like this throughout the album. My favorite being on NHS as he says, try breathing, you might find freedom instead of squeezing up your buttocks, trying to hold your shit in. But getting back to 45 Smoke, the beat is abrasive and energetic. The production on the first half mirrors Slotai's attitude. He has that similar frame of mind when taking on cancel culture on the following track, Cancelled. We start to see the cracks on Maza as he starts talking about depression, taking drugs, and reverting to his old self. To match this tone shift, the keyboard melody is a bit more somber, but the drums are still loud and harsh. The rest of the first half continues this outwardly antagonistic nature with the short interlude track, What, being one of my favorites on the first side. Until we get to Play With Fire, which has this softer, more muddled production, which is a great transition track from the first side to the next, as the rest of the album takes on a sadder, more introspective mood. I already knew I was going to love this portion of the record because the singles NHS and Feel Away were so good. What I wasn't expecting was how deep we were going to peek into Slow Tie's psyche. We get lyrics referring to suicidal tendencies, sickness and numbness, and all of a sudden this album feels very heavy and dark. To match the lyrics, instrumentals are piano and guitar focused, they have a slower tempo, and textures are more vibrant. Feel Away is my favorite instrumental on the record, and the reverb piano keys gives this track its dreamy and psychedelic quality to it. But not everything is dire on this back half as Slowtie learns to make it on his own slowly works up to that attitude we heard on the first half. So overall, this is a wonderful record. Slotai definitely tops the last one, and I'm glad we got a project that peers into his mind, as I feel like that makes for a much more interesting narrative. Great hip-hop and R&B record. Check it out when you get the chance. Okay, and that does it for this past week in music. Gonna take a little break. When I come back, I'm gonna talk about MF Doom. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Sound Encounters. It's time for us to talk about MF Doom. When I started this podcast, I knew I wanted to do a guide to Doom. I was going to eventually, but news of his unfortunate and sudden passing accelerated my writing process, and I wanted to honor him and his work by talking about him. There are no other words to describe Doom other than legend. He is a legendary artist. His calm and steady flow his meticulous approach to writing and rhyming, his willingness to work with others, his immaculate production skills, and of course, the mask are all what make up this mysterious and 
iconic presence that he brings to every song. He inspired a whole range of artists from Drake, Kendrick Lamar, the guys over at Griselda, The Weeknd, to Tyler the Creator, Earl Sweatshirt, Open Mike Eagle, JPEG Mafia, and so many more. So it's important that we celebrate him and all that he's done for the genre. Before I start talking about Doom's background and his discography, I want to quickly go over how guides work if this is your first time listening to one. I will talk about his discography in order of release. After I'm done going over the latest or the last project he put out, I will provide my listening order because a discography as extensive as his might be intimidating to navigate through for those who have never heard his work. And he has a lot of side projects and alter egos. It's a lot, believe me. That being said, because he has so many projects, I'm going to need to divide this guide into two parts, with the second part coming out next week. And with that out of the way, who is MF Doom? Daniel Dumoulay was born in London, England in 1971. He claims that he was conceived in the States and was born in London while his mother was visiting family. Dumoulay moved to Long Island, New York with his family as a child and grew up in Long Beach. Despite this, he was still a British citizen and never gained American citizenship. Believe it or not, this information will be important later on. Dumoulin grew up with Marvel Comics and Saturday Morning Cartoons, and because of his love for them and, and his name resembling a certain Marvel character, his friends and family would give him the nickname Doom after Victor Von Doom from the Fantastic Four series. He started DJing during the summer after third grade, and when he was around 17 years old, he started a rap group with his brother, DJ Subrock. Dumoulin rapped under the pseudonyms of Love X during his time in KMD, and if you're curious about his time in KMD, I would recommend checking out those albums. There's only two of them, Mr. Hood and Black Bastards, as they are great pieces of classic East Coast hip-hop and boom-bap. Dumoulin stepped out of the hip-hop scene from 1994 to 1997 following the tragic death of his brother. In that time, he was recovering from the pain and as he stated, he was damn near homeless, wandering the streets of New York City. While things seemed bleak for Dumoulin, he did make his return in 97, freestyling at open mic nights by obscuring his face with tube socks and a prototype of the mask we would know to come and love. And this is where the story of MF Doom begins. Operation Doomsday, 1999. The first official project that Dumoulin released under the MF Doom name while this LP didn't get a lot of mainstream attention, it did blow up in the underground and became this benchmark for independent and underground rappers and producers. Doom carries himself in this geeky and playful way as he references Marvel comics and cartoons and Star Trek, Space Ghost, and Scooby-Doo. You know, all the things that rappers love. And he produced the entire album himself. We hear a lot of record scratching, sometimes the audio peaks, uh, there's a lot of low fidelity recording, and we can hear the crack of vinyl wax. Who You Think I Am is a good example of this, as we can hear this crackling, the, the audio from the MCs sound raw, and they are mixed improperly. Many underground rappers would follow this DIY production moving forward, and we can hear it today in a lot of abstract hip-hop albums from artists like Mike, uh, Earl Sweatshirt, JPEG Mafia, etc., and it's interesting that the record has this sound as Doom had experience recording during his KMD days. But I and many other Doom fans sort of view this DIY approach as part of the process of starting over, which he was doing, you know, he was separated from KMD and, and he was creating this new character and having fun with it. And when you take that into consideration, this lo-fi style has a lot of charm to it. You know, it was done for a purpose and he 
probably helped popularize the sound of today's lo-fi music. Also, Doom hasn't fully developed his super villain persona yet. He becomes really villainous on future projects, but we do hear a bit of it on this one. The song Doomsday is actually a good song to introduce people to MF Doom, as I would classify this as his theme song. This is Dumoulin's return to the hip-hop scene, and one of the first things he says is that he came to destroy rap. He calls other rappers weak, he uses sex as a metaphor for his rapping skills, and even compares himself to Jesus. Like, who does that? He terrorizes other rappers and takes responsibility for it, and calls himself the Metal Fist Terrorist. And this is like the first of many nicknames he gives himself. And he says he was in jail at the time of writing this song. And if you don't believe him, you can get yourself arrested and check in BCDCO section cell number 17 under the top bunk, which I guess is an open invitation to getting arrested. There's a lot to unpack here, but I would say this is a great introduction to the villainous character, and he will definitely expand on this in future projects. Another thing we can hear in the song is his approach to rhyming and his unique wordplay. His rhyme schemes are complex as they incorporate two or more syllables in one line. This technique is known as multisyllabic rhyming. Now, Doom isn't the first one to use this technique, but because he does it so much and it's such efficiency with a stellar flow, his rapping style stands out among the other rappers who are multisyllabic rhymers. For example, in verse one, he says, Off the fly brown, six o sicko, psycho, who throws his dick around, bound to go three pat, came to destroy rap. So just from that like first line, we have six o sicko, psycho. Then on the next line, he rhymes both brown and around with bound. Then he rhymes three with the first syllable of destroy, then pat with rap. Now, kind of knowing how Doom raps, we can take a look at another line in this song, like a Pied Piper holler a rhyme, a dollar and a dime, do his thing, ring around the white collar crime. And oh, it's just, it's so good. No one raps like he does. This type of rhyming is found throughout his discography. And while it sounds great here, he would go on to perfect this style. And with unique wordplay too. We heard that with the Pied Piper line, but there are many instances where he frames his bars in an interesting and creative way. For example, his delivery on verse 2, pop the trunk on C, cypher punk, leave him scrapped. What he is saying is get a gun from the trunk and waste a cop, with C, cypher punk meaning cop, C for C, cypher for O, and P for punk. That's why a lot of Doom fans, myself included, will say you need to pay careful attention to what he is saying. There's just so much you are missing if you aren't actively listening to his bars. And because of that, they are addicting, like he says on Rhymes Like Dimes, where he compares his verses to drugs, and he's the drug dealer. While his rhymes are impressive on this track too, it's insane how Doom flows on each track. It's like he doesn't stop to take a breath, but only when the verse is over. But I love it because it keeps the momentum going, and nobody flows like he does. If you want another great example of how Doom flows, check out the song Go With The Flow, as that is one verse track uninterrupted. Like I said earlier, Doom made all the beats on this one. Just assume that on an MF Doom solo project, he produced most, if not all, of the tracks. And I love the different reference points that he draws from on these beats. Go With The Flow was a grimy beat with a soul keyboard. Doomsday had that classic DJ record scratching feel to it with bluesy and soul vibes. For the most part, there's a lot of samples from jazz music, but sometimes Doom surprises. Tick Tick loops the eerie strings from the Beatles song Glass Onion, 
And sometimes that sample will get muddied up and it'll get buried in the background, which creates an ominous atmosphere to the song. My favorite of these creative samples comes from Hey, as 95% of this instrumental is provided by the intro to the 1972 new Scooby-Doo movies. The rest of it is just the drums that Doom adds in. And then there are sound bites of Scooby, and I think it's the mystery gang going Hey, and both of these bites are, are played repeatedly throughout the track. This is another great song to hear Doom's heavyweight rapping as it boils down to him flexing his strengths as the supervillain references to Superman, Raekwon, All My Children, and Scooby-Doo. And I also really like the stream of consciousness storytelling in this track. Operation Doomsday is a fantastic debut. It really sets up what makes Doom Doom from his rhyming and wordplay to production style and the supervillain persona. This is a classic underground hip-hop release and one that would go on to inspire many others in the underground, but also in the mainstream. MFEP 2000 Now Doom did a little EP with his friend MF Grimm, and half of this EP is just remixes, but the reason I included this was because we have the first appearance of No Snakes Alive, a song that tells us that Doom does not like fake people, aka snakes. This theme will pop up from time to time as it's a topic that Doom feels strongly about, and this song is also featured on Doom's next full-length project. Before I get into that, I want to talk about Special Herbs. This is a series of instrumental works produced by Metal Fingers himself, with Volume 1 coming out in 2001 and Volume 2 and 3 in 2002. I won't go into it that much, but if you are a Doom completionist and you like his beats, I recommend checking out the Special Herbs series. Take me to your leader, King Ghidorah, 2003. We're getting to the first of Doom's sub-personas, King Ghidorah. Now, this one is a bit of a weird one because there are only a couple of songs where Doom actually raps on this one. There are songs on here that are better than the songs where Doom appears. And you may ask why even include this one if Doom is barely on it and there are better artists featured here. Well, Doom, much like on Operation Doomsday, produced all of the tracks on this LP, with the exception of the opener Faders, where he collabed with E. Mason to produce that beat. And this project showcases Doom's growth as a producer and his dedication to the growth and development of his characters. So I basically included this one just for the creative growth that it had on Doom. Ghidorah is a producer moniker, and he's providing beats for others to rap over, like Curious, Gigan, Little Sai, ID4 Winds, Empress Star, Trunks, Hassan Chop, and a couple of others. This album is centered around this sci-fi monster story, as King Ghidorah is a character from the Godzilla movies. It's a three-headed, armless dragon from outer space, and Doom flushes out this character throughout the album. One of the more interesting tracks on this project is Monster Zero, as it's a sound collage piece comprised of samples from several sci-fi movies and TV shows played with a smooth jazz beat. And it really adds to the mythos and story of King Ghidorah. And also shows Doom's ability to craft a narrative with just, you know, these sound bites. It's really impressive. The rest of the album has this cinematic sound to it, as a lot of the samples incorporate dramatic and elaborate string sections. The intro track Phasers has this lush string loop that's really angelic. I knew this was going to be completely different from his other projects from this instrumental alone. Crazy World has my favorite production on the album, as the sound of the icy viola sample is incredibly beautiful. It was shocking how much this instrumental, along with Gigan's lyrics about living life to the fullest, moved me. In a way, I guess it was their version of Life's a Bitch, because Gigan's definition of living life to the fullest is surrounding himself with sex, drugs, and the hustling life, much like Nas and AZ's song. 
I Wonder is another track that is emotional as Hassan Chop raps about his life and provides introspective verses, which I think serves as the best storytelling on this album. As he talks about his cousin getting mixed up in street life and how his son navigated that lifestyle himself. Couple this with dramatic and sobering violin samples, and it's probably the saddest track on the LP. Doom went all out on production for Fastlane as a soaring guitar and string loops is the perfect backdrop to Curious's lyrics about living in the fast lane and not being afraid to live. Doom also provides the jazzy and soul and blues samples that he did on Operation Doomsday. Next Levels has a soothing, cool jazz piano and sax sample for the three MCs that exchange verses on that track. And Antimatter has a chill bass beat for Mr. Fantastic and Doom himself. It's one of the only songs that he raps in, and it's ironic how this is one of the most laid-back beats on the project, because the duo talks about how you shouldn't fuck with them or else they'll fuck with you, or fuck you up, I should say. Mr. Fantastic has more time on the mic, but when Doom starts rapping, he has some good rhymes, and I don't think that they are as good as they were on Operation Doomsday, but it's good to hear from him. It's the same thing with Phasers. You know, he has good rhymes on that track. The purpose really is to introduce the Ghidorah character and not kind of showcase, you know, Doom's technical abilities. But it's not terrible. While it's light on the Doom rhymes, there's no denying Take Me To Your Leader is an imaginative underground hip-hop album with outstanding production. Vaudeville Villain, Victor Vaughn, 2003. Victor Vaughn is another alter ego, and this one tends to lean more into the nitty-gritty of the crime and drug life. Unlike the larger-than-life supervillain that is MF Doom, or the three-headed monster producer King Ghidorah, although the name Victor Vaughn sounds like Victor Vaughn Doom from Fantastic Four, so there's still that comic book geek inside of Doom that's coming out here. And there are transitional sound bites taken from Saturday morning cartoons and the occasional comic book and, and video game references. But this project is so different from the others we've heard so far, as Doom is more aggressive and the production, god, the production is so dark and ominous. This album is the opposite of the King Ghidorah project. Doom decided to enlist several producers to work with him for this project. RJD2, King Honey, Heat Sensor, and Max Bill provide the beats for the 17 tracks on this album, and we'll get to those in a bit, but I want to talk about how this gave Doom more time to write rhymes, more time to focus, and as a result, his lyrical prowess improves greatly. This is reflected on the title track as it opens with a bit of alliteration. V. Vaughn, the traveling vaudeville villain. Somebody's been setting up on their literary techniques. Doom's flow is once again unmatched, as he relentlessly spits bars about knocking rappers out and letting everyone know not to fuck with him. And that might not sound appealing to you. I mean, how many other songs have we heard with a similar narrative? But I promise you, the songs here have so much imagination while also carrying that realistic grit. On a modern day mugging, Doom teaches you how to rob someone. And in the process, Doom gets almost gets shot by an old lady. Lactose and Lechen describes V hopping into a time machine to buy drugs in the future because they are cheap. And continuing with the theme of time travel, Vaughn goes back in time in Never Dead to kill the kids who stole his Donkey Kong game in high school. Doom's villainous tendencies and characteristics have grown exponentially since Operation Doomsday, and the production from the small producer committee he assembled reflects that. Beats, samples, and loops sound sinister, colder, and more ambitious and it really suits the lyrics on this project. Let's use Never Dead as an example, because the, the eerie clarinet loop accompanies the lyrics about Vic killing children because of a stolen video game. Let's think about that. 
He killed children because of a stolen video game. Because of that, the ominous and uncomfortable sound of that clarinet loop is perfect for this kind of story. The title track and A Dead Mouse are some of my favorite instrumentals as the grimy and bleak guitar loops of both of these tracks match the more aggressive and menacing attributes of Vaughn's personality. And Lactose and Lechen and Raydun are the most insane examples of creative production here as they take that dark atmosphere a step further by incorporating ominous electronic textures. Radon sounds like an autecker sound as the glitchy ambient swells sound like something the duo would craft. And I haven't heard anyone say this about the former song, but that specific loop sounds like it was taken from the TARDIS time traveling machine from Doctor Who. Is it really just me who hears this? But if it is, the sample along with its psychedelic textures fits the context of this song. Heat Sensor produced both of these tracks, so props to him because these are mind-blowing instrumentals. Then there are moments on the track list that are more in line with that classic hip-hop sound and style. Saliva, produced by RJD2, features these triumphant horns as he raps about how you just don't fuck with V. This is also a track with impressive rhymes, so keep your ears out for those. And the preceding track, Let Me Watch, probably has the most straightforward lyrics from Doom. A Pony B acts as Vaughn's romantic foil, and they both trade verses about how their relationship goes south. This is such an engaging narrative from start to finish. A Pony B is excellent on this track as she narrates what it's like to date someone like Vic, and hearing his perspective is great too as we hear the funny stuff that he's thinking. It also does a great job of not favoring one side. They both had different ex ex expectations, and it wasn't going to work between them, but we understand why they were frustrated. It's just great storytelling overall. And that instrumental from King Honey is so smooth and sensual, it's like butter. Vaudeville Villain is hard to pin down because you could say that this is an album that probably inspired the X-Trap hip-hop and glitch-hop sound that we are hearing more of today, but you can also classify this as the Hip Hop Head's Doom album, as his flows and bars are top-notch, and he doesn't play to the villainous gimmick as much. It's pretty straightforward with some wacky storytelling and production moments. Special Herbs Volume 4 dropped about a week after the release of Vaudeville Villain, and then soon after, 5 and 6 dropped, and then a mini compilation of 4 through 6. Mad Villainy? Mad Villain? 2004. So Mad Villainy is fucking incredible. This is the legendary collaboration album between MF Doom and producer and rapper Madlib. And if you have a passing interest in hip hop, you know this album. You know about its legendary status. This is the one you've been waiting for me to talk about. It's difficult to find a starting point to this discussion because the beats from Madlib are overwhelmingly impressive. And Doom is at a lyrical and technical peak here. So I think I want to start with the story of an underground rapper flying out to Los Angeles in 2002 to meet a fan of his music who happened to be a producer to start working together on a project. This producer would go on to make 100 beats in a matter of weeks, some while he was working with this rapper and some while on tour. While the producer was in Brazil finishing up the album, the demo was stolen and leaked onto the internet. The duo was understandably upset and took a break from the project to work on other projects. Eventually, the two would reconvene and start working on the final version, which they would release in 2004 for the world to hear. Now, this leaked version garnered a lot of hype for this album, but the rapper decided to change some things for the final version. And I think I'm just going to stop with this weird anecdote style of storytelling. You know, you know who they are. 
Doom went from a hyper and enthusiastic vocal delivery to a calmer and huskier voice. And because of this change, he changed the lyrics to fit this change. Oh, geez. But the final result was nothing short of extraordinary. Madlib complements Doom's personality really well. And I think that's because they are both crate diggers getting samples from whatever they can. And Madlib's esoteric samples form a perfect marriage with Doom's more eccentric topics and bars. We have Accordion's Accordion Loop, the Frank Zappa and Steel guitar samples on Meek Grinder, all caps loops several seconds of a cartoon opening. It's likely that Doom's influence is seeping into Madlib's production process. Madlib speeds up a fiddle sample from prog rock band Gentle Giant on Strainways. Madlib also inserts a fair share of jazz samples. Like Doom, he is a jazz head. Just listen to Madlib's Shades of Blue, or how many times Quasimodo references jazz musicians on the unseen, and you'll hear just how much of a jazz head he is. Then there are short instrumental passages where Madlib flexes his sound design skills with Sick Fit and Do Not Fire being some of my favorite beats of all time. By the way, I'm just mentioning some of my favorites. There are 22 tracks on this project. If by some miracle you don't like any of the beats that I just mentioned, you are bound to find something to love about Madlib's production, I promise you. On Vaudeville Villain, we heard Doom starting to improve his lyrical prowess, and I'm glad he took the time to, as he says on Lickapon, study his rhymes and patterns, because that pays off in a monumental way on this record. If you thought his rhyme schemes were great before, wait until you hear how crazy good he is here. It's like every other syllable has to rhyme with one another. It's nuts. If you want a sample of his lyrical mastery, I suggest you check out Figaro. I won't go over every line, but I want to point out the first two. The rest is empty with no brain, but the clever nerd. The best MC with no chain you ever heard. So I'll repeat that, and then we can break it down. The rest is empty with no brain, but the clever nerd. The best MC with no chain you ever heard. He rhymes rest with best, empty with MC, with no brain, with no chain, clever nerd, and ever heard. He is practically rhyming every other word in one line with every other word in the next. There are examples of this in literally every song. The final lines of Meek Grinder, the van screeches, the old man preaches about the gold sand beaches, the cold hand reaches for the old tan Elise's Jesus. While he certainly improves in this aspect, he doesn't let his storytelling chops falter either. When I was talking about Doomsday off of Operation Doomsday, I call that song his theme, but all caps could also be considered uh, an anthem for the villain. Because he talks about himself, he claims he is the king of rap. He says he's the bad guy before Billie Eilish thought of those lyrics. And to not make it all about him, there's a line where he compliments Madlib's production by calling the beat butter. It's best to get on the villain's good side because he might compliment you. I love Doom's calm and lethargic flow on this one, especially when he says to not be tricked by his chill demeanor. And there is more characterization of the villain, which is partially why I love it. But damn, if his flows, his bars, and Madlib's beat make for a great, fucking phenomenal hip-hop track. And it ends with that legendary line, just remember all caps when you spell the man name. None of us are going to forget that anytime soon. Accordion was the first Doom song that I was exposed to, and so many people online have analyzed this song for Doom's lyrical ability, his wordplay, his flow, 
honestly, this is another great first song to introduce to people to understand how Doom raps and get a better picture of his personality. This is one of the best opening tracks to a hip-hop album ever. I'm just going to say it. Doom's villainous persona is fully realized on this project, and we can hear it as early as this track. Relentless bars about not fucking with him or Madlib, as he says, a gunfight and they come to cut the mix master. Slip like Freudian, your first and last step to playing yourself like accordion. First, addressing the gunfight line. Doom cleverly changes the don't bring a knife to a gunfight expression and says they are unwise to challenge him because he'll wipe the floor with them. But to take it a step further, Mixmaster is a skilled recording engineer who specializes in cutting together music. So even if it were a knife fight, they would still lose to Doom. As for the last two lines on the main verse, it's such a great way to tell people not to mess up in front of Doom and Madlib. By now we know that Doom hates fake people, so if you're around him and you accidentally say something you shouldn't about him, like a Freudian slip, then you were playing yourself this whole time as Doom makes his disdain for fakers pretty evident. An ounce of what Doom has to offer in terms of wordplay is the Dick Dastardly and Muttley line, so is the Needles and Doritos, Cheetos and Fritos line. It's just, ugh, Doom is, Doom is really murdering the rap game in songs like these. I said this before about covering this album on my Abstract Hip Hop episode, but I really could go on about this record, so I'll stop here. Madlib and Doom really struggled with this record, and, and everyone agrees that this is probably their creative peak. Mostly everyone. I don't want to speak for everyone. Um, they were in rare form, and it's really difficult to follow an album like this. People want a sequel, and from what we've heard, Madlib and Doom have recorded a ton of music that could be used for a Mad Villainy 2, but I think it would be unfair to an album called Mad Villainy 2, as it would, it, it just would live up, or not live up, but try its hardest to live up to this masterpiece, and it would fail, because there's no album that can live up to this album's greatness. I'm more than happy with what we got though. This is a legendary hip hop release and one of my favorite hip hop albums, hands down. Venomous Villain, Victor Vaughn, 2004. Just a couple months after releasing Mad Villainy, Doom put out the sequel to 2003's Vaudeville Villain. He enlists another ensemble of underground producers such as System D128, Dub L, Da Vinci, Session 31, The Analiers. And because it is a Victor Vaughn project, we get more tracks about crime and street life, and Doom raps to dark and eclectic beats. While this one follows the darker atmosphere of its predecessor, it sounds more like an abstract sound piece, as there are just as much samples as there are bars. It feels more sparse, creepy, and atmospheric. For example, just listen to the glitchy outro on Titty Fat. And there are also a great deal of filler tracks, like the intro that goes on for way too long, and several interlude tracks on the second half. Coming off a creative album like Mad Villainy, Doom's bars aren't exactly impressive or creative, which is a bit disappointing, but there's a reason for that. Doom literally tells us that the second half of the album sucks on back end because he did this record for a quick check. On the first line he says, don't waste your money, pirate the album instead. This album doesn't appear on streaming services. And Doom has even less of a presence on this one than on Take Me To Your Leader, with his voice appearing in about less than 10 minutes on this 33-minute album. And there's not a lot to recommend on this one, but if I had to, Rap Game would be the one song I would recommend. As the catchy hook from Manchild, the smooth piano jazz sample, and Manchild, Israel, and Doom all exchange verses about the state of mainstream rap at that time. Doom's verse is of course a highlight on, on this track, as his rhymes cannot be matched. 
there are still some moments throughout the album where you can point and say, there's a complex rhyme scheme. There's a funny moment, like on Doom on Vic, where MF Doom talks about Victor Vaughn as a rapper. It's meta, it's comedic, it's classic, you know, Doom tongue-in-cheek, uh, lyrical uh, writing. But there are all minute compared to what we heard on previous releases. And I can sit here and think, well, maybe if it came up before Mad Villainy, it would have had a better reception. But what's the point? The fact is that Venomous Villain is the weakest entry in this golden age of MF Doom releases, with, with its moments. But it doesn't help that it was sandwiched between two of Doom's most beloved projects. And I'm now just realizing that I forgot to mention, while I was talking about Take Me to Your Leader, that 2003 really kicked off the golden age era of Doom releases, which ended in 2005. In between releases, Doom released Special Herbs Part 7 and 8, but instead, let's talk about Mmm Food, MF Doom, 2004. This is another concept album from Doom. This time it centers around food, whether it's samples talking about food, or lyrics based around food metaphors, or just song titles, which is a wonderful concept that works for a rapper like Doom because it's so creative and fun and he manages it to not make it stale, pun intended. This one was mostly produced by Metal Fingers himself, with the exception of a couple of tracks like Potholders, which is produced by Count Base D, PNS's Conqueso, and One Beer produced by none other than Madlib. While the food references are creative, I applaud this album for its deeper look into the mind of the supervillain. Deep Fried Friends asks the question, what does Doom think about his so-called friends? In his experience, his friends turned out to be backstabbers and people who only used him for money. He even talks about members of his family asking him for money. He acts broke because he doesn't want to die as he states jealousy is the number one killer among black folk. Then he goes on to look up the dictionary definition of friend, which states socializing, sympathizing, helping, and says most of that stuff is one-sided. He's tired of having those one-sided relationships, having people backstab him having to hide his wealth because he thinks everyone around him are snakes. So yeah, an overtly negative track with a catchy sample of Friends by Houdini, but one that lets us see the inner thoughts of the villain. Also, this beat is one of Doom's better produced beats, just thought I'd point that out. This isn't entirely negative, as Doom mentions a close friend of his, Mr. Fantastic, who appeared on Take Me To Your Leader, and has a feature on this record, Rap Snitch Knishes. Speaking of that track, that is one of my favorites. Can't talk about this without mentioning that vibrant sample of David Matthews' cover of David Bowie's Space Odyssey. That track just soars you into the stars. Doom and Fantastic talk about how foolish it is for rappers to talk about the crimes that they've committed in their songs. Maybe Bobby Shmurda should have listened to this one before dropping his tracks. It's an interesting approach to Doom's lyrical writing. He's no stranger to brushing people aside, calling them snakes, calling people out on their foolish behavior, voicing his opinions on the rap industry. But in a way, it's sort of helpful. He basically tells, he gives the advice, don't snitch on yourself on the mic. But of course he's making fun of these rappers, so the villain has some edge over them. I also love how the name of the track was born. He told Double XL that he was having a knish, thought it was delicious, thought it was a funny word, but didn't know what to rhyme with it. Made a little challenge for himself and came up with the rap snitch knishes. Speaking of Doom commenting on rap culture, he makes the diss song to end all diss songs, Beef Rap. He disses rappers who makes a career of starting beef with other rappers, and also comments on rappers taking their shirt off and using their body to garner attention or a discussion or an audience. Which his decision to focus on appearance is interesting because he wears a mask so his listeners will focus on his words and not on his appearance. He even states this on verse 2. 
He wears a mask just to cover the raw flesh, a rather ugly brother with flows that's gorgeous. And that's really Doom's belief. If a rapper has the bars, the rhymes, the flow, then they really don't need anything else. Because what I just listed there is what hip-hop is all about. If they have a gimmick, such as starting shit with another rapper for the sake of starting shit, then they must be compensating for something. Now, I'm saying this knowing that Doom kind of has his own gimmick, with the multiple personas, the mask, the cartoon and comic aesthetic, but he's kind of earned that. Speaking of the comic book aesthetic, this killer beat is one of the best beats Doom has produced and rapped over, as it's taken from a, a 1982 Spider-Man cartoon, and it's fire. Also, you gotta applaud his dedication for fitting in these food metaphors wherever he can. Bravo, Doom. Bravo. There are other songs that follow this theme, such as Cookies, which references every other type of cookie, even computer cookies, or One Beer, but that's alcohol references. And some of Doom's best production is featured on this album. The run of tracks from Poo Putt Platter to Fig Leaf by Carbonite is just instrumentals and Doom flexing his production and sampling chops. It's a good set of tracks that focus on diverse sampling, and it's a good break between the first and back halves of his record. An Essential Doom album, a must-listen hip-hop record in general, and now I'm hungry. And I think this is a good place as any to stop. Next week, I will finish up Doom's discography. We have about five full-length LPs to go and the conclusion of the Special Herbs series. But for now, we're going to stop. And I think I might just spin Mad Villainy on my turntable. And that does it for this week of Sound Encounters. Make sure to tune in next week for another exciting installment. Like I said, I'm going to finish up my guide to MF Doom. In the meantime, you can follow the Sound Encounters Twitter and Instagram pages with the handle at Sound Encounters. I post updates and share music memes on those accounts, and I interact with the lovely people who give my posts a like and a comment. You can also send me a voice message through Anchor to recommend a topic I should talk about, or you could give me some feedback. And if you do, I'll give you a shout out on the show. Just go to anchor.fm forward slash Sound Encounters or soundencounters.com, or follow the link in the podcast description to send your message. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and that too could be featured in an upcoming episode. All right, that about wraps it up. Rock on, music explorers. I'll see you next week. Ciao.